Hi, everybody. How are you? Does anybody know who I am? Like, somebody's, like, has anybody seen me here before? You have? Okay, good. Yeah, it's been a few times. I can't remember how many, but it's, that's okay. I'll, I'll introduce my family in just a moment here. Uh, it's really great to be here. I drove in from Calgary today, and uh, it was a great drive. Um, I thought I'd begin off this way. A uh, funny thing happened to me last night. I was looking at some old pictures for, for today. And these old pictures, um, I was going through some stuff, and I saw uh, like a, a presentation that um, I did here, I think in 2017. And uh, when I looked at the presentation, I thought, this theme is almost exactly the same theme that I'm going to share about tonight. I thought, that's a bit weird, because it's not very often that, because uh, I hadn't taken a look at it, and I didn't even remember that. And uh, it's probably good that most of you don't remember me being here, because um, it would almost seem repetitive. But it sounds to me that uh, the Lord, because I really, you know, I've been praying, what would the Lord have me share? Um, and a bit of this is a bit about who we are and what we've been doing and what we're up to. But there's always a theme, because we want to encounter Christ tonight, right? And so um, I just uh, felt the Lord was directing me in a certain way, and so it seems like Unless, unless I'm getting to that age of life where you keep on repeating the same old story, thinking people have never heard it before, that could be. But I'm hoping it's not. What I'm hoping it is is that God's not finished. In a sense, he's, there's more he wants to say about the theme. And uh, the theme is really this, it's saying yes to God. Saying yes to God. Now, before again, before I introduce my family, we've all kind of had this experience where we have figured out uh, what we meant when we actually said yes to something or someone. This past week I was uh, in Calgary and um, at a food court and I was trying to order some food and I had the choice between um, some wraps and um, salad. So the attendant there was trying to sell me on the salad which was, you know, she kind of explained it to me and that was quite nice and um, so I said yes, I'll take this salad. So as she began to put it together, I began to realize immediately I had made a mistake. You know, there was stuff in there I really didn't like. It was um, not at all what it appeared on the picture, and it was, and, you know, it's not, um, it was just way too much. But I had said yes, so I, I began to figure out what it was, what I said yes to. Uh, another example, some of you, has anybody had a COVID dog? Anybody bought a dog for COVID? We got a dog, and, um, and some of you who maybe are fathers, you've probably had this discussion with your kids at one point. Kids say to you, I'd like to have a dog, and you say to them, only if you're willing to take care of the dog, clean up after it and walk the dog. And so eventually you'll say to your child, yes, we can have a dog. And then you discover what you really meant. Because ultimately, of course, your kids never really intended to care for that dog, never really intended to walk the dog. They want to love it and hug it and tickle it, but they don't really want to take all responsibility. So you as a father or the mother ultimately are the one who's responsible for the dog. So you're kind of being, you kind of figure out what it is you were saying yes to. The, the last example uh, to me is always um, 
the most real. It's, it's that yes that you do at the altar when you say yes to your spouse. When you commit to somebody and you say at the altar that you are going to be there in sickness and health, rich or poor, better for worse, when you say that, you really don't know what you're saying. Is that true? Or is it just, just me? The, 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 the point is this, that you cannot know, you cannot fully know, unless you've really known that person for years and years and years, you cannot fully know what you're saying yes to. You just believe that the day will come when things are poor, when things are worse, when there is sickness, that you will be there for that person. But at that moment when you're at the altar, you don't feel like it's worse. You don't feel like it's poor. You don't feel like it's, it, it's sickness. You feel like all the good things that you really want it to be about. And so you don't really know, but you have to walk it out. You have to walk out your life of saying yes to that person for the rest of your life. Well, I say all that stuff because uh, when, I, when I was asked to talk a bit about some of our journey and what the things that we've been doing and, and what God has been teaching us over these last 20 years of serving God in Asia, uh, I really thought about this, this question about what are the implications? What does it mean to say yes to God and what have I learned through that? Because you, you know, there was, there was this moment, right? There was this moment when somebody asked us to consider going to this country. In our case, it was Thailand. And we had to, um, we had to say yes or no. And there's no way you could ever know what you're actually saying yes to. And it wasn't like we were saying yes to an organization. We weren't saying yes to a religious leader or to an organizational leader. We were saying yes to God. And yet you need to actually walk that out because you never fully know what it is that you're saying yes to. So this is a little bit about our journey, and this is a couple of lessons that we've learned. And, um, you know, before I jump in here, which has taken a bit of time to introduce it here, but there are a few qualifiers because uh, this is our story. It's not your story. It's our story. And I know you come into the service tonight coming from your own place, your own situation, your own world, and wondering what of this will be of, of value to you. So there's a few things I want to say as qualifiers. And this first thing is this, is this, this is not really meant to be about us. I mean, I will talk about some of the things that we're doing and we've been involved with because you have been involved with them together with us. But ultimately, this is about God. We come to worship together to encounter Christ. And so if, if you leave here just being interested in what we've done, then that's a fail. Ultimately, we want to take something from what I've been saying and what I think God is saying to us as a church and take that home with us. The second thing is that I know that we all have stories. This is our story. But your story is different. And the fact that we've served in Asia is no better or worse or no different, you know, than serving here in Saskatoon or another part of the country or the province. So I encourage you to try to find application in your own situation. And the last thing is this, is that mission happens in many different ways. It's very easy to listen to a mission speaker and say, well, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Or this is a way, but there's just so many ways God is inviting people to be a part of his mission around the world and in this city. And so I want to, again, encourage you.
to find out where God is leading you and what you're saying yes to. There's two points I kind of want to get across tonight, and maybe there might be an extra bonus point. But the first, these two are things that I want to say tonight is this, is that um, somebody does need to say yes. There is a point in each one of our lives, and there's a part of our life that requires uh, yes. And I'm going to talk a bit about that. The second thing is this, is that you will never, ever say yes alone. When you say yes, there's always people to walk with you. So I am getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to introduce my family. This is my family. This is in Myanmar. Some of you know it as Burma. The name was changed in, 19, I think, 1993. This was last, um, last August, well, 2020, yeah. And that's my wife, Cavell. She's from Newfoundland. I'm from Vancouver. My son, Matthew, is over my right shoulder in the white uh, T-shirt. He's 17. Benjamin is in the gray T-shirt. He is now 15. And then Charles in the white shirt sitting down to my left. It would be Charles. That would be, um, he's 12. Turned 12. Our three boys were all born in Thailand all in the same room, in a nice hospital. We, um, we landed in Thailand, just the two of us, in 2002. And Thailand, if you've been there, uh, it really is a beautiful and it's a fascinating country. It's majority Buddhist, but it's not exactly where I thought I would end up. In Thailand, they speak a tonal language, there's five tones, and I'm not really great with tones. Uh, I'm a BC boy. I don't like things really hot. Thailand's a really, really hot country. Um, food is spicy. I'm not really that great with spicy food. <laughs> so basically, you know, all the stuff that I'm not really good at, that's where God sent us. And um, we were asked to go. And uh, we just believed that we needed to say yes. We didn't have a clear reason why. We'd never been to Asia before. We felt a sense of peace that we should go. And so we kind of said this, we'll give it 10 years. And if we heard wrong, if we made a mistake, we will come home. And so I remember very clearly within our first um, few weeks of arriving there and sitting on the edge of a bed, with um, sweat streaming down my face, trying to get a little bit of cold air from a broken down air conditioner after you know making enormous plans to be in this country and thinking, what have I done? What am I doing here? And um, I didn't think about it too, too long because I don't have a habit of listening to myself too much. But... Um, over the years, we figured out what we have done. Figured out what we were doing there. Figured out why God had brought us to this strange country. So the things that we've learned and some stories to kind of explain it a little bit. The first point again is this. Somebody needs to say yes. Well, another way of putting that is God needs somebody to say yes. 
and that somebody could be, could be you. We came to Thailand, we'll take the first picture, I guess, in 2002. Our son, Matthew, was born in 2003. And in 2004, there was a cyclone, or not a cyclone, a tsunami. We'll take, yeah, there's just one picture um, from a tsunami that was uh, caused by a, a great earthquake. Um, in December 26th of 2004. Some of you may remember that. It's a long time ago now, I know. But uh, this devastated southern Thailand, and um, we had no experience in relief. We had no experience in development. We had no experience in emergency care. Uh, but somebody needed to engage. Somebody needed to be involved. And somebody had to say yes. And so we said yes. And the next picture shows my wife, Cavell. This is on PP Island. The, the damage was quite remarkable. It's a long time ago, so I don't need to spend a lot of time on this. But, uh, you know, there's about 10,000 in Thailand alone that were killed. There's probably about a quarter million in the whole region that were killed because of this one um, tsunami. But... Um, the point is simply this, is that we needed to engage. Somebody had to say yes, even though we weren't experienced in this kind of work. And because of that, uh, a ministry was born out of that, that continues to this day. Because of the engagements of other people who said yes, 30 churches were planted and born in a place where there was almost no Christian witness. A little bit later, um, we began to realize how much Thai young people wanted to be engaged in the needs of their own country. And so we launched a ministry called Imagine Thailand. I don't know if we have a picture or not. I don't know what the next picture is, actually. But um, we began this ministry called Imagine Thailand to empower young leaders to be engaged in the needs of their own country. And... Um, Again, we didn't have experience in working this way. I certainly had experience working with university students, which is where this ministry was based, at the university in Bangkok. I don't, can we see what the next picture is just to be... Yeah, it's not this one, but we'll hang on this picture anyways. And so we just really felt we needed to somehow engage with young people. And um, somebody had to say yes, and that was us. At the same time, there was a cyclone in Burma, which is, again, called... Myanmar. This is a picture from that cyclone. That cyclone killed about 175,000 people in that country alone. And you know, um, when that cyclone happened, uh, we were about to go back to Canada for about four months for a, a break. And you know, we, were, we, we had been working really heavily with all the issues in the south of Thailand because of the tsunami there. We'd begun this ministry, Imagine Thailand. We were just really exhausted. And then the cyclone came. And we, you know, I remember walking with Cavell and thinking, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, it's not even our own country. It's not even our own need. It's not our situation. Do we even have the energy to get involved? And we just kind of felt like somebody has to say yes. And so we, we got involved. Next picture shows... This is aid that got into the country. Now, Burma is one of the most closed countries in the world. After North Korea, it is the most closed country in the world. And um, we just felt we had to get involved. And so through a, a, a series of miracles, 
And again, with the help of churches back here in Canada, we were able to send, this was the second vehicle into the country after the UN that got aid into the country. Somebody had to say yes, though. Thank you. Well, after a number of years, we, we were really engaged in Thailand in, in working with the university students, with relief and development, with care for marginalized communities. But we were really involved in the border areas between Thailand and Myanmar. And as time went on, we began to have a heart for the country of Myanmar itself, my wife in particular. And often she would say, when the time comes, somebody needs to be ready to go. And I thought that was a really great idea if somebody else would go. Um, and so I don't know if we have a next picture, but um, yeah, this is Yangon. I, I really didn't want to go to Burma. By this time, I had adjusted to Thailand. We'd been there for 10 years. Uh, I'd become quite comfortable in Thailand. And um, the, the door was opening up in, in Myanmar. We had an invitation to go and work there and to, to live there, or at least to live there. We didn't have, actually have a clear plan of what we were going to do. And um, God began to speak to us. Again, you need to to go, and um, we just felt somebody needed to say yes, and that was us, and so we went. The next picture is another picture of Yangon. That's just a typical rainy day. Yang, uh, Myanmar is just a very, very challenging country, and right now it's in civil war. I'll explain why we're not there right now. But we just really felt that we needed to be in this country and God opened a door for us to be there. It was really a miracle that we got there. But it required somebody saying yes. Well, um, when we got there, we didn't really fully know what we were going to do. But as God began to open up some doors for us, uh, it became clear. I'm not sure what the next picture is, but let's take to the next picture. There's my wife, Cavell. One of the doors that came open for Cavell was to work with 25,000 women farmers. Now, my wife comes from Newfoundland. She, she came from a village of 400 people that does not do farming. But they needed somebody who could help shape uh, some of the, kind of like the, the marketing and the kind of the business side of farming. And she said yes. Because Lost my, okay, there we go. We, uh, we weren't trained for this. She, she wasn't trained for this. She's a social worker, but somebody needed to say yes. For myself, next picture, I was involved, I got involved with a, a leadership program called the DeBoer Fellowship. And again, it just required somebody saying yes. This program served over 300 people directly and 25,000 leaders across the country. The impact has been far beyond what we could ever imagine, the impact in Myanmar in particular. There was just the two of us. We didn't have other global workers that we were working alongside, but God opened up doors that were unbelievable to us. But it required at some point somebody saying yes. Now, um, why, you know, just a quick, just our next little, you know, where are we now? What, what are we doing? And what are we doing here in Canada? As, as things developed over the pandemic, we, um, we had no desire to leave Myanmar. 
we still felt this was a place that we're supposed to be. But uh, it became increasingly difficult to have our kids in school. And so we began to think, well, what's next for us? In fact, we couldn't have our kids in school. At the time, COVID wasn't terrible, but it was still really difficult for having our kids in school. And at the time, we weren't in a military situation where, where we had a coup and now a civil war. Uh, but we just really felt that something was shifting for us and that we needed to, again, say yes. And so um, as we began to look for where God might lead us, uh, we thought that we were going to end up in Indonesia. In fact, jo uh, Cavell had received an invitation to work there. Uh, we thought that for me as an RD, I could be anywhere in Asia, so we were going to go there. We, again, we were just, we're going to say yes. We're going to let God do what he wants to do. We're going to surrender to his purpose. We're going to surrender to his will and, and find our way in a new country, a place we'd never really been before, and see what God would do. And we were. We were ready. We had packed up the whole house. We had told a mover that we were going to be in Indonesia, but we couldn't get into the country because of the pandemic. And at the end of the day, we had to tell the mover we're going to take the stuff to Canada. So that's why we're here. But the point is simply this. There's a journey of discovery when you actually say yes to God. I'm curious about some of these people in the Bible who have constantly, you know, lived lives of, of faith, but have had to go through this process of surrendering their purposes and plan to God by saying yes to him. Some of these people you, have, you know and know well, but I'm curious if any of them describe your situation. I'm thinking of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 where God says to him, go from your country, go from your people, and go from your father's household to a land that I will show you. It was a land that he never, ever fully experienced for himself. It was an inheritance that he never experienced for himself. But God said, go. And so Abram, in verse 4 of chapter 12, it says, Abraham went. He had to say yes. There's a call of Moses in Exodus chapter 3 where God says, I've seen the needs of the people of, of, of Israel. I've heard their crying out for me. I'm concerned for the suffering and I'm going to go down. I'm going to do something about it. Now you go. God's, uh, God's challenge to him was, yes, I'm going to save them, but you're the one who has to go. And Moses, if you know his story well, says uh, to back to God, pardon your servant, please send someone else. The point is people respond to God's call. They say yes in different ways. Eventually, Moses does say yes, but he had to say yes. The call of Jonah is a great one as well, where God comes to him and says, go to the city Nineveh, that great place, that great city, speak out against it. And we know that Jonah's response was to go in the other direction, to get away from the Lord. Ultimately, he says yes, but it's another way that people respond initially to God's push on their hearts to do something. Then there's a call of Isaiah. He's just enthusiastic, volunteer. Because the Lord says, who will I send? Who will be my messenger? And in chapter 6 of Isaiah, Isaiah says this, I will go, send me. He's a volunteer. And then there's a call of Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Angel comes to her and tells her, you know, what's going to go on. And you're going to have a son. And her first response is this, how can this be? I mean, I'm a virgin. The angel explains how it's going to work out. Her response is, I'm the Lord's servant. 
may your word to me be fulfilled. The point is, people need to say yes. We all need to come to a point of saying yes. Saying yes is a tough thing to do, and we do it in different ways, and we say yes to different things. Tonight, there's a call to even to give. Saying yes to that can be difficult for some of us. To be involved is difficult. Uh, some of us are fearful about making commitments. Some of us are scared about what the outcome will be because we don't know the outcome. We want to control the outcome. Moses didn't want to say yes because he felt insecure. He didn't feel fit for the job. He didn't trust himself. And there's many times where we don't feel that good about ourselves. We always can look at somebody else and say, that person's a better candidate. We can look at this other person, say, that person's more talented. That person's a better speaker. We can look at this person, say, that person has more money than I do. I'll just let that person give. Or this person, you know, this person is just more comfortable with people. I should let that person do it. There's always going to be somebody who's more capable or more competent or more capable than you or I are. And yet God still calls us to say yes to something. Jonah didn't want to say yes because he thought God was going to humiliate him. Because he knew that God was merciful. He knew that God was going to relent and that he was going to lose face. He didn't fully trust God, even though he was a prophet. Mary wasn't resistant, but she had a very fair biological question. She just wanted clarification. She just wanted to understand what was going to go on a bit. God needs us to say yes. Well, maybe you say, and again, I'm not just talking about going overseas. I'm just talking about being faithful and, and trusting God to be active in whatever God is calling you to in this place, in this church. Some of us say, well, and I've heard this, and I've felt this. <laughs> you know, Moses had a burning bush. Mary had an angel. I mean, what do I get? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't get those dramatic calls. You know, it doesn't happen that way to most of us. We might get an invitation from Pastor John. We might get a bulletin notice. We might get a, a, something on, on, the, on the screen, an opportunity to be involved. We don't get those big lights of an invitation to follow. And so we think, well, if I had that, then I'd feel confident enough to go forward to say yes. But I don't think, I think God still does that. But I think by and large, God invites us to follow in his word. He invites us to follow through trusted servants like Pastor John. He invites us to respond by, by needs that are out there. Well, I want to just talk a little bit more about what happens when we do say yes to God? Because it talks a bit about how we as partners get involved in what God's doing in Asia. Because when we do say yes, one of my discoveries over these past 20 years is not only do you begin to walk it out, and there has to be a yes part in your life, there has to be a point where you intelligently and purposefully give a yes to God. But I've also discovered that you never say yes alone. I think one of the fears that people have about kind of stepping out on God is that maybe uh, you'll do it on your own. Uh, 
My role as a regional director, and I should just say that our work in, in Myanmar still continues on to some degree, even though we're in a very difficult time there. We had a bakehouse there called the Yangon Bakehouse, and uh, this was a training cafe for women who were making a dollar a day or less, and it was giving them a chance for a career in the future and self-confidence and opportunity to really care for themselves and for their families. That has been closed down now because of the war, but um, that was one of the things that we've been involved with since we were last here. But my, my major role right now is as a regional director. As a regional director, uh, I'm not so much on the front line as I used to be. In a way, our role, yours and mine, is a bit similar. We're very much supportive of people who are working as global workers in Asia. So what does that mean? What do I do? Uh, well, travel is one of those things. Uh, prior to the pandemic, I was on the road for about 225 days out of 365, I think we have. Um, a lot of that with my family as well, but still on the road a lot. And it means visiting the global workers in our area. We work in 14 different countries. We have about 100 adult global workers and their children. We serve about um, 11,000 churches and about 9,000 plus pastors. And if you were to include the family, the P, you know, like the, our, our, the churches that are connected to our, our work, there'll be about 650,000 of them. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts. And really what my, my role is, is primarily to support those global workers who are serving in these complex and difficult areas. It has to do with care, it has to do with strategy, it has to do recruitment, helping people into the field and out of the field. So if you're looking for a place to serve in Asia, please come see me. That's kind of what I do. But um, the point is this, is that you really begin to discover how important partnership is when you're doing that job. And like I said, my job is maybe not that different from yours in the sense that we both are essential in helping people say yes. When we say yes here in Canada to, to give, to, to pray, to be engaged, when we find ways to say yes to God, uh, it helps other people say yes to God by serving in these different places. One of the questions people ask me is, does my help help? Is, is there still a role for the Canadian church in what God is doing abroad? And the simple answer is yes. It's a huge difference. Without like neighborhoods supporting us, we wouldn't have been in Asia for 20 years. It would not have been possible. Even small amounts financially do make a difference because our global workers live on that. They survive on that. And particularly during the pandemic, when we as people based here in Canada aren't able to travel to Asia, uh, most of our global workers were able to stay in place in the countries where they serve. And so what you do, it works, it makes a difference, it helps. Partnership matters. You never say yes alone. And one of the beautiful things that we have experienced is the provision and the gifts that come from the local church. Well, my time is pretty much over. 
I just want to say one last thing here, because it was on my heart as I was driving here today, and I won't have time to give you the whole thing, but, you know, I've heard this also said by many people, you know, I like what you're saying, Peter, it sounds kind of interesting, it's kind of cool, but you know what, I believe that I have said yes to God long, lots of times, and I still don't feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I feel like I'm really where God wants me to be. Like, I have said yes, I'm, I'm submitting my heart to the Lord, and there's still this question, I still feel like I'm waiting. I feel like I'm not exactly where God wants me to be. And um, I just really believe the Lord wants to say is that um, you won't have to wait forever. There's a man by the name of Jairus, and Jairus was, was a man who came to see Jesus. His daughter was dying, and uh, just really quickly, as his daughter was dying, um, he, just, he was a powerful, rich man who just humiliated himself at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus agreed to go to see his daughter. On the way there, things got really crowded and crazy, another woman kind of, um, kind of reached out to Jesus, was touched by, by Jesus, and, and was healed. But in that process, there was this stopping. The crowd had to stop, and they had to figure out what was going on. And in that process, Jairus' daughter died. And, I, and when I hear that story, I think about how many times Jairus was a man, he did it right. He, he reached out to God. He humiliated himself. He said, yes to God. I want you to help out. And, and, and Jesus was on the way to, to meet this need. And in the middle of that, somebody else's need got met. Somebody else was healed. Somebody else was taken care of. And his situation was left unmet. And Jesus just said these words to him, don't you worry. Don't be afraid. Your daughter is only sleeping. She's not dead. And if you feel tonight that you said yes to God and that your dream is dead, it's not. It's only waiting. Your dream will come true. God bless you.